0: I like in the beard Tony. I'm trying to go the same way. I can't get past the itchy stage though.
1: Tony looks like he's in bulking season like DeChambeau.
0: <laughs> bulking, yeah. Every
2: day is bulking season. <laughs> my my core's gotten bigger. It is interesting in
1: golf, right? Like somebody that's considered like jacked in golf is like uh, Bruce Kepka, you know, or like
2: Brooks <laughs> Bruce. I don't know. It's,
1: it's interesting when when we were reading the Dschambeau information about like him bulking up. They talk about him being able to do ten pull ups and I was just like, like No, no, it wasn't
2: it wasn't pull ups, it was like raises, I think, is probably what it was. So
0: I do that as a warm
1: up. I mean, I've yeah. never heard of that as like an accolade for lifting. Like you hear a guy like bench pressing four hundred or, or something yeah. lifting ten pound weights twenty five times. <laughs> I've just never heard that as like something yeah. to be real. Golf jacked
2: is not is not <laughs> real world jacked.
1: Yeah. So anyway, welcome to episode 25-0 of No Putts Given. On today's episode we've got the 2020 Callaway Maverick Driver. I don't have a good feeling about this one. Uh, we've got a new a new putter from Scotty Cameron with a .5 at the end that you're going to want to hear about. We've got a study done at Pinehurst Golf Course that uh, Harry, I don't know why in the hell you didn't do this study. I mean, that's your job. Because I'm English. And we've also got a, uh, a spotting of DeChambeau and Bulking season. Let's get it. No puts given is powered by my golf spy, the most extensive reviews in golf. Before you buy, my golf spy. Nine million readers do it every year. Check us out. Alright, so let's start with the new driver from Callaway. Uh, it is 2020 Callaway Maverick. And uh, I I don't know about you guys, but I just don't have a good feeling about this one. Why not? Uh, I think it will probably perform well. But in today's age in golf, I think you got to have everything. Meaning you got to have looks and you got to have the performance. And I just think this one is a dud from a look standpoint. I don't like the color scheme. I don't like the look of the driver. And this isn't just coming from me. These are coming from sales reps that we've talked about. Callaway sales. Is
0: this the one? Is this like a picture that we've seen on the Tintranet or?
1: Well, USGA has the black and white version um, because anytime a driver hits the list, it's generally something that a pro is going to put into play or that that they can put into play, right? So we've seen that picture. And for anybody out there that's interested in taking a look, that driver and the information that we know right now is also on my Gospy. But Tony, you know, it's release season. There's going to be a lot of stuff. It's going to be fast and furious over the next few weeks. Callaway kind of starts it off first after the Cobra. You know, first look, what do you think about the the Callaway Maverick driver?
2: Well, you know, I, I think it's important to point out, right, that the realities of the golf market, such as it is, there's there's really only two companies that are going to be in the conversation for the best-selling driver of the year, right? It's going to be TaylorMade and Callaway. Earlier, you know, a couple weeks back, I, I caught a little bit of hell when I predicted that the TaylorMade driver was going to be the best-selling. Well, you sold out, right? Yeah, yeah I sold out for sure, right? Um, I'm still waiting for my check. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, having seen... Some pictures of the Maverick with the that aren't the USGA and and you know sort of the chatter we're hearing from from inside retail. I I've seen nothing that's going to make me change my mind. I think it's it's going to be TaylorMade's year. Uh, Callaway is going to have to tell a, a hell of a story. I think on this one, one way to think about it, right? The the soul of the club, which you never ever really need to see on the golf course, is is a good bit of what sells a club at retail off the shelf. The, the crown is, is more what sells it on the golf course, but, you know, just just looking at that sole design, you and I talked about it, I mean, just looking at it and having seen the actual color scheme, just look, I, I look at it, and I'm like, man, this, this looks like a first gen or a second generation M2 hooked up with an old Cobra and, and had a baby that came out simple. You know, we'll see. Like you said, I'm sure it's going to be an excellent performer, but at first glance, man, curb appeal, I... I think it's lacking compared to the last five plus years of Callaway drivers.
0: Well, that's my question that. is, I know it, you have to have a, a good performing driver and looks now to make a, a driver what it is and for what people are going to buy. But it, I, I think it's going to perform well just because of, I'm guessing they have AI face. And... Well, look, they're not
1: going to take that big of a step down in the evolutionary you know status of their performance. It's not going to just drop off. And we know that the Callaway Drivers perform well, mm-hmm. and the last one won most wanted, right? But let's face it, like Tony said, golfers oftentimes go, Well, you know, who the hell cares about what the bottom of the club looks like? The bottom of the club is really important. If you don't believe so, you know, you're crazy because how golfers, if you go at retail, buy clubs.
0: Yeah, they look at the sole first. They, they go look already... at the sole
1: and then they drop it down and, and then they decide whether or not what their next step's going to be. Yeah. Next step can be one of a couple things to go into a bay and hit it. And if there's in a store that doesn't have a bay, they walk up to the register and buy it or not. Right. And that's always the hero shot. That is what shows up at every retail sold at club. So it's massively important. Right. So that's one thing. The other thing is when you have Callaway sales reps telling you that the bottom of the club looks so bad and the burnt orange color and black color looks so bad that how the hell do you expect me to sell this thing? That's the first I've heard from any Callaway sales rep in the last X amount of years. Yeah, that they don't even really stand behind the well, product.
0: Well, when when Nike came out with the uh, Red Driver and um, that was a huge risk for them, and I, well, it, what what happened to that business, you know? Well, I mean, you're
2: talking you're talking crown color versus sole color, right? And we've seen this for years in our testing, right? When we we try and reconcile the subjective feedback we get from our testers when they tell us what they think about what a club looks like, what it feels like, versus how it performs in their hands. There's, there's almost no correlation, right? The, sort of the idea that I have to like the way it looks to feel confident and get good performance out of it doesn't really hold up when we look at the data. But again, for a guy who's just going to go and and pull something off a shelf, there does seem to be some risk here that he he may be incentivized to to pull something else inst- instead. But I mean
0: that's ninety percent of the golfers out there.
2: Yeah, this is, this is a Callaway driver. I mean we've seen the last iterations. Uh, you know it's going to be good. You know the sub zero variants going to be good. They're they're going to be in the top tier for performance. You can almost guarantee it. So it's you know is there enough there? Are golfers going to see enough in a hitting bay? where they're gonna maybe kinda look past the fact that, you know, they, they don't necessarily like what the soul looks like. And we're saying all this on a on a on a somewhat speculative basis, right? We've we've seen some photos and, and we've gotten some feedback from from others who have had it in their hands. But until you really get it in your hands and, and look at it, you don't really know. Sometimes the early feedback is especially negative and it kind of warms up over time. So we'll we'll see if that's what happens here. But yeah, this is, I will I will tell you that this is the first time in, in several years where I've looked at a Callaway driver and it was kind of like, mm, I don't know, I don't know. Well,
0: here's the thing is, if you play with your boys on a, on a Saturday morning, you notice banter flying around. So if you've got this club that you think is going to be one that you're just going to catch too much you know, crap from, do you put it in? Because all they're going to hear is, like, oh, look at this.
2: Those are all real things if it's if it's longer yeah. yeah if you're if you're longer with it and you're hitting more fairways yes but we know that even the the separation in that top group right the difference you take the the handful of top performing drivers across our test i mean the the gap there is minimal and it's it's minimal enough where you know, you can be like, Yeah, this one this one performs like that much better, but I, I really like the way this one looks and, and sets up and, and all these other things that are part of the buying decision. It's yeah, it, it could be important.
1: Hey, my Goss Buy only cares about performance, right? that's what we say all the time. But we also know that the consumer also cares about looks, right? And that's a reality. So and that's
0: why we take feedback for every test that we do.
2: Especially drivers. I mean, game improvement stuff gets to be entirely subjective anyway, and a lot of people think it's all ugly. But when you look in the driver space, I mean, it's, you're hard pressed to go back and, and find a situation where you go, "Yeah, that was that was one of the ugliest drivers on the market this year," and it still sold really well. Like the the yep. top performers tend to look good, the top sellers tend to look good. I mean, it, it's all part of the the package in making in making a driver, and so.
1: Yeah, first first looks the Callaway Maverick, she ain't pretty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh,
2: to be determined, right? I, I hate to judge anything by the USGA photos, and I hate to judge anything by by some of the the stuff that's leaked to us that you know isn't isn't an angle I would personally shoot. But like you said, some of the chatter from the field and and the guys in shops that's what that's what makes me a little bit nervous. I think you know I always defer to the to the Nike maxim, right? And and what Nike always says, the consumer decides. And so it doesn't really matter what we think. It doesn't matter what the early impressions are. Golfers are going to go out there. They're going to try it. They're gonna they're gonna decide if they like it. And that's going to be you know, ultimately what decides whether or not this thing's a hit.
1: We got a little bit ahead of ourselves. So what is the Callaway Maverick? Um, basically, there are two basic lines right for the drivers there's the epic line and kind of what was the rogue line which now will be the maverick line and if you look at what the main difference is just so everyone out there kind of understands what those are between those two lines the epic is your more traditional looking driver right the maverick now which is a replacement kind of for the rogue is a more flattened
2: elongated is is the word kind of that that more of a bullet shape kind of typically
1: yeah also for epic that's going to have the sliding weights where Maverick will have the fixed weights
2: and flip weights in the sub zero.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is kind of was price differentiation, right? But now Callaway kind of thinks they're a premium brand, right? And premium for Callaway now for drivers equals $500.
2: Well, at least we are hearing. So I'm hearing that, that Maverick is going to be priced lower than Epic flash was. I don't know how much lower I, I would be surprised if it's lower than five, but I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, premium. It's they're not going to go three ninety nine. I don't think. No. So why would you buy a Maverick
1: over an Epic if they're fairly similarly priced?
2: Right, well, I go for the one that that gives me the best performance and and what I'm looking for. Right, optimize launch conditions, and really, it could be a case of knowing how you like to tinker. Right, are you a guy that needs to move weight from the heel to toe? You know, are you looking to tweak draw fade bias, or are you looking to 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 ultra trajectory, high, low, that sort of thing. So that could be a point of differentiation, right? How the weights work and, and which provides the most benefit for you. So things like that, there's going to be almost certainly an MOI difference. I would suspect just based on the shaping that the uh, the Maverick is going to be more forgiving than than the Epic Flash was in the standard model. So so things like that. But ultimately, it really comes down to performance. And and certainly, this is going to be a case where I don't think Callaway is going to tell you that, that the, the Maverick is better than the epic flash I think the position is look this is this is an alternative it's yes yes it's newer but like anything else it's fitting
1: you think they're gonna send one to Tom Cruise for the new movie
2: They'd be, they they should right that's if, that's if the, Harry Arnett
1: if Harry Arnett was still there I can guarantee you that's Tom right Cruise yeah, Tom
2: Cruise would be rocking this thing right now He'd be waving <laughs> around at the the next Scientology meeting or something it's, a,
0: it's the same length as him though isn't it sir? <laughs> so yes.
2: A 45 inch might be a <laughs> get, little bit long. He'll
0: get the
1: kid's size. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, up
1: next is the new putter from Scotty Cameron called the Phantom X 12.5. So, where does Scotty Cameron rate in putter sales, Tony?
2: Number one, at least in dollar share. Dollar share for sure.
1: Number one in dollar mm-hmm. share. How many years do you think he's been number one?
2: I uh, longer than I can remember. That's for sure. I mean. Not that it's not really saying much. I have trouble remembering past last Wednesday, but still,
1: it's crazy because I just don't feel like he's number one anymore for some reason. I, you know, sometimes when you're a part of the industry and you're testing the product versus going out as a you know consumer and buying it, right? You just kind of lose touch with a little bit of that, maybe. But well, a little bit
0: of the magic that yeah. comes with Scotty Cameron, I would say. Well, yeah. I mean,
2: our, our ecosystem for putters is is a lot bigger than than the typical sort of golfer right we we see almost everything i mean i don't want to say hundreds but certainly tens of brands a year whereas if you walk into a typical golf shop right you you're going to have scotty cameron you're going to have odyssey and and you know a, a small handful ping for sure but mm, and a handful of other brands but you know so within that space when when there's, you know somewhere between five and ten brands on a typical retail shelf yeah i mean cameron still
0: stands out well so why do they stand out is it because of the name because they haven't they haven't got any um tech in the face at all from what i know of and
1: well they've never really performed that you know sometimes they perform well in but overall they performed average from a performance standpoint over all the years of our putter testing but once again, we're all about performance, and we know golfers are about generally name, looks, and or feel. Every right? time
0: they come in, every time all the testers come in and do the test, the blade or mallet, like, oh, look at that Scotty Cameron. I was like, yeah, but look at this one. This one does better than this one after testing.
2: Look at it. It's curb. I mean, there's again, it's it's that curb appeal argument, right? How does that look on on the retail on on a retail shelf? And Cameron makes a very good looking putter. Yeah uh, they still get a a ton of use on tour right and in any given week I mean recently it's been more odyssey in play than cameron but you know still right up there and obviously tiger is playing a cameron as much as i don't think that that tour use moves the needle from a from a retail sales perspective by any significant way i think if there's an exception to that rule it's definitely in the putter category
1: i'll never forget when i was in retail and um tiger was you know on his, on his charge, way up, right yeah. i mean people called every day man Just, give me that give me that
0: give me that scotty cameron that's all they wanted because was it back back then was it actually a scotty cameron when he was winning that or was it i can't remember if that was the one that everyone wanted oh yeah,
2: oh, yeah. legendary yeah he had a ping man grip but he had a scotty putter
0: that was the one that was the, that's right, right
2: yeah even he's always had that ping grip when he yeah so that's Nike. why i was like
0: isn't it a ping yep. and then you look down <laughs> and it's like scotty well it's a hybrid it's yeah. one of the two
1: <laughs> yeah he had a ping man grip with the blacked out ping man i think
0: and that's the one with the dots in the back right yeah, yeah. we got one at the shop.
1: yeah we do it's pretty sweet we do. So like, like Tony said, a lot of curb appeal, you know, we've kind of jaded to that a little bit now. Like we're not really like a tester that comes in and says, oh my God, Scotty Cameron. And you know, we care about performance obviously, but we know, look, Scotty Cameron, people love these putters. And for everybody out there that wants to know kind of there's a Phantom 12 and there's a 12.5. So what is the main difference? Uh, basically only two things. The alignment aid goes from yellow to black.
2: <laughs> Huge improvement <laughs> for sure. It's just I think it's just again I I think going black instead of yellow just boosts that that sort of retail curb appeal. Yeah, black's
1: a little more appealing right now. So black alignment aid and then also increased toe hang to fit a stronger arc. So and that's typical of the .5 from everything that we know from Scotty Cameron.
2: It's kind of that uh, Scotty's entry in that, that kind of that spider shape category, right? I think at at this point you can you can probably call it the evolution of the future a little bit as well, but it is in that sort of high MOI winged mallet kind of thing. So Yep. You know, if you, you like the idea of a spider and you like Scotty Cameron, there you go. That's really what it comes down to, right?
1: Like if you're a if you're a spider person or whatever you go with whichever brand you like. So
2: each brand needs to have a spider, right? Credit to TaylorMade too, right? I mean, you think about across all lineups, right? You you have shapes that are ubiquitous, that like everybody has an answer, right? And everybody kind of has that, you know, whatever whatever you want to call it, that little half moon mid mallet shape, right? Everybody's got that. And now we're seeing that that the spider has now become one of those shapes that is just now central to the to the putter universe and everybody has something like it in their lineup. So that's as much as, as people talk about copying this and that, the fact that you have been copied to a degree that everybody feels like it needs one in the lineup, man, that's that's a testament to the to the to the design, I think.
1: Yeah, I'll never forget like having a conversation with Garen when Evenroll first came out. And um, the grooves obviously were in each putter and I said, what's the deal with, you know, behind each different model and designs? He goes, look, at the end of the day, I could design something really cool and badass, but I am designing the heads to look like what people like to look down at, and then I'm putting the same face tech in all of them, right? Because the tech works in all of them, but people are comfortable seeing five, six, seven different designs as putters. If,
2: yes, if, yes, yeah. Yeah.
1: You got the wing type, you got the spider type, you got the answer style, you got the, the, the fatter- answer you know there's there's five to seven different designs that people are kind of confident and comfortable going yeah i've seen that i've seen it a lot okay i'm comfortable and trust that
2: conversely when i you know i I have a really strong arc so i'm as as much toe hang as you can give me i've played you know ping zing and and zb1 for the last several years and so you're a
0: blade you're a blade person oh oh yeah and so i when i
2: talk to garen i'm like hey man when are you going to make one of these shapes and you know his response is i'll sell five of them have you and ever so tried did,
0: um, a mallet with a lot of toe hang, or is the, yeah it's it's, yeah, it's no, tough I, to even get I, that?
2: I, yeah, it fights me every step of the way. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, as as a golfer, you don't want to do things that make it more difficult for you. Oh, for sure, you yeah. know, yeah. and fight your own stroke, right? So anyway, the the new Phantom twelve point five is going to be four hundred twenty nine dollars, and for everybody out there that's going, holy shit, that's expensive. That's relative. It does sound expensive, but guess what? It's a Scotty, and I can guarantee you one thing it's gonna sell, you know? So that's the price available 1212 US and February 14th worldwide. So for anybody else out there interested, that's the scoop. Next up on No Puts Given. Now, this is a cool study. Is uh, sp- this the one that I should have done? A spiked versus spikeless study. Harry, mm-hmm. what the, what the hell,
0: hell do we pay you for? To <laughs> splice, splice up the place. Out of sp- <laughs> splice I can't splice it up? I'm going to go home. I can't speak. <laughs> <laughs> to spruce up the place. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, it was a very supple study. I can tell you that. <laughs> and uh, anyway, it was an independent study conducted at Pinehurst Golf Resort. And what it found was really cool. And I guarantee you it's probably true. Uh, They found that replaceable spikes, not spikeless golf shoes, improved driver distance, ball speed, shot dispersion, and smash factor. So 28 testers each had 10 shots, five with each, which isn't a ton of data, but it's decent enough. Um, And the result, golfers added 4.35 yards to their tee shots. So why is this?
0: We see it every, every year for testing.
1: Yep, better grip, more consistent foundation, higher consistency of quality strokes, right? So you're able to get back to the position you started at, which means when you come in contact mm-hmm. with the ball, more consistently because you are moving, your foundation is moving less, right? And for anybody out there that's going, this is crazy to add 4.35 yards, you're really not adding it. You're just not subtracting it, meaning...
2: You're not giving it up, yeah.
1: Exactly. When we do shoe testing, don't get me wrong, we do spikeless and spiked because we know that spikeless is a huge growing category and people want both tested. That being said, we have only found probably, what, two?
0: I would say shoes. two that's up to the same standard as a spike shoe.
1: And what would those be, probably?
0: Uh, Inesys, for sure. Um, and the Puma Grip Fusion from year and a half ago.
1: From 2018. yeah. At the end of the day, spikeless has become a huge category because, unlike me, you know, I'll take my spike shoes right into a restaurant and not care and Harry bust my balls. <laughs> but most mm-hmm. people don't want to do that; they want to take their spikeless shoes on and off the course, which totally understandable. And they break in right out of the box more often than not, right?
2: They they do. There is probably, in very general terms, a spikeless shoe is is gonna be more comfortable like you say, right out of the box, right? And you take that and combine it with that, that idea, right? You can go straight from the office to the golf course or wherever you are to the golf course or the golf course to wherever you need to go without having to change your shoes. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I got boas, man. So it, it, it takes me 15 uh, seconds yeah. to change my shoes. So it's not worth giving up the performance. Well,
1: look, here, here's the thing, you know, like what are the Pumas that, what are you, what are you wearing right now? This the is the Grip Fusion Sport. The, the Fusion Sport. We yeah. wear these pretty much every day. Oh, yeah,
0: this is my work shoe. Yeah, it's They're it's awesome, right?
1: Because we can wear them not only with you know what we're wearing to go to work, but to the golf course, and you can wear them out, right? The tricky thing starts to get where now you go, hey, these are also a golf shoe. I'll wear them to golf, right? So what you're finding, which I think is cool about this study, is it's kind of a reminder like, okay, you can wear that new growing trend of spikeless shoe, but you're going to be giving up consistency off the tee, and probably consistency everywhere then, right? So I can already hear golfers out there going, yeah, I hear my golf You're sitting there saying, you know, get fit for your shoe, all this stuff. Well, we're not saying that. We're just saying, hey, here's the data. You do with it what you like, right? Um, and don't get me wrong. I ain't wearing no Boa shoe. Ain't happening. Like I get it. It's I look at a Boa shoe and want to throw up. Tony goes, well, you need to shift your paradigm. And coming from the owner of my golf I, I should be the first person to shift my paradigm. But there is a line in the sand that I'm going to draw at Boa, and that's the line I'm drawing. So, um,
0: well, Tony, you're not shifting your your stance on uh, changing, keeping your same equipment every every time you every week, actually, probably. Well, I don't play golf anymore. Um, <laughs> that's your was, excuse every time well i mean i got i got an elbow problem
2: i got a big ass <laughs> snow problem i got i got all i got i got problems you got I a got studio <laughs> right to 99
1: problems and bow Bowie
2: one no i mean it's, it's probably like the spikeless thing is i remember when when the first true links came out right the original true links wear shoes and I, I put them on and i'm like oh my god these are so comfortable and the freedom of movement it's awesome and i went out on the golf course and And I'm like, oh, these are great. I'm not losing anything. This is better. You know, 100% on board with Spikeless. And then played in the rain one day. The shoes got all smelly. So I I had to kind of put them off somewhere to dry and clean out. Went out the next day in my Spike shoes. And I'm like oh shit this is way better <laughs> like it's just so it's like it's easy to kind of convince yourself that and you know there, there's always going to be a guy who's ex, who's the exception to the rule but I, I think it's it's probably reasonable that for most guys the you're going to be better off in spiked shoes
0: well here's it do we know what handicaps they were how much they load how much yep. they two division of handicaps in the test higher okay. and
2: lower um
1: so you know at the end of the day i think we we could run a bigger test i think yeah. we're going to come up with a similar result i don't know what well, exactly the yardage gains would be but
0: a lot of spike shoes are all compact and all one um material all the way around now you got the spikeless that are some are mesh some are lighter some are they're all that kind of lifestyle shoe i think that's going to play into a factor as that because your foot moves a little bit more on the spikeless depending on what material it could be material. i mean it could be so. a factor
1: but i think from our testing and you Tell me if I'm right or wrong. You do more of it than I do. But I do think a lot of the movement starts at the base and then is added on to that, right, with the top, or, top layer, right? So the first, if you have movement I would say, on the base, I would say it's
0: the opposite. I would say your foot starts to move first. Which moves the base. Which moves the base. Yeah, and then I'd that way that. everything moves out of line. Puma has had a bad problem with that.
2: With a lot of, uh, you know, with most of the the spike shoes, you get that that firmer... You know, usually it's TPU or, you know, some sort of plastic derived material that that provides stability, whereas on a traditional spikeless kind of everything is is more of like a sneaker sole, right? A lot more rubber, a lot more movement. So, you know, who knows exactly why, right? It could be that. It could be, you know, the the actual spikeless model that, that was used. But basically what I'll say, I was not surprised.
1: I was just on a flight. And reading the American Airlines <laughs> uh, magazine.
0: Yeah. And now there's, what is it called? Golf kicks? Golf kicks. Um, are, and they we're going to get them tested very soon. I laugh because it's such a simple but cool idea. Whether it works, I have no clue. So I'm looking forward to actually
1: doing this one. So what we're talking about here is basically imagine replaceable spikes right and being able to just screw them into the bottom well, imagine, of your running shoe. imagine
0: you're, you're playing basketball <laughs> with your big you know jordan's on and then all right well let's go and play some golf this afternoon just screw them in and you're good to go i'm scared that they're gonna like poke through i i am
2: too but yeah how that's like how do they attach to the shoe like it's one thing to be able to attach spikes to any shoe but can you can you unattach them from any shoe and and not have ruined shoes? Is kind of yeah, thing. and
1: like screw threads, like once you screw something in and take it out into plastic, like and then go to screw it in again, it's not you, you know you don't have a tapper, you can't really re-tap a plastic. Yeah. Well, shoe. we'll
0: find out. We'll find out soon. We're gonna. I find mean, they've been sold out, um, thanks to Shark Tank, and they've uh and they've American been sold Airlines. out for every year I think since they've had them. How many years have been out? I think it's three years. I don't quite remember this. I think I've read it three years somewhere. Interesting. All right.
1: Well, talking about that, uh, perfect transition is speaking of golf shoes as technology-driven equipment. We just did a story on BOA, right? And BOA is a unique closure system that is on shoes, and basically, in a nutshell, the golfers the golf swing is an athletic movement, right? So players can benefit from. Transferring energy more efficiently, and BOA says that you can do that with that system. And for those of you that don't know what BOA is, if you've ever seen golf shoes out there with like a big
2: not that big UFO body, Ufa UFO disc disc,
1: disc on a shoe, I'd rather wear a Velcro. But anyway, Tony loves BOA.
2: Laces are for suckers.
1: Is BOA the future of golf <sighs> footwear, Tony? What do you think?
2: Probably. I mean, something like You really like think it. so? Are, well, if if you kind of look, especially now with the, we we did kind of a, a profile on the Adidas Tour three sixty XT, xt Twin Boa is that double black diamond. Um, anyway, yeah. So the the it was kind of a limited release shoe that Adidas uh, released late summertime this year, and it was it's the first golf shoe with a Twin Boa system, right? Two separate dials, and the idea is now you can. With a, with a typical BOA system and really with a lace system, right? You're kind of pulling it tight and it kind of pulls relatively evenly over the whole shoe. Whereas with this twin system, you can separately adjust the forefoot and, and I guess the upper portion of the shoe to get sort of a more ideal fit, literally dialed in, right? And so that's kind of unique and it, and it kind of makes sense, especially if, you know, when you think that we all... All of our foots. Just because I'm a nine and a half doesn't mean my foot's exactly the same as everybody else with a nine and a half. So to be able to kind of tune your fit a little bit and potentially maximize performance if there is a true correlation there, then yeah, like why why wouldn't you? Like I, I don't understand this idea of I'm going to give up performance because I'm not really sold on, on what a dial looks like. So, so. these
0: so these little barred tweaks will help your performance in your golf game or is it... For comfort well it's, a little bit of
2: both it started I, I don't want to say this is how it started but certainly this how what the perception is right it's it's simplicity and ease of use right instead of tying your shoes you just kind of slip your foot in and, and click till you're comfortable right um, but boa has invested some money in building a lab that has basically a lot of the same equipment you would find in a golf club r&d r&d department right so you know trackman bay is together gather ball data and force plates to see how the how the the feet are moving and and weight and force is being shifted throughout the swing so they are looking heavily into whether or not or or basically how to design a better golf shoe to maximize performance during the golf swing so this is this is relatively new frontier and, and i think you know Rather than than making decisions on footwear based on on almost entirely style, it makes sense to kind of look at it from a performance perspective.
0: I I would love to eat my words and say it's the next new thing in golf that's gonna help well, your it's performance. Not new, but well, yeah, you know evolving, I mean evolving. Yeah. This, uh, well, yeah. here's
1: the thing: like boa is not just for golf shoes. Boa is licensed to all different kinds of products. That for everything's it, yeah. I mean, they're on ski equipment and all kinds of stuff, right? just on a golf shoe or shoe in general, anything that's outside the norm, right? Like let's take the three main systems, Velcro, laces, and (laughs) (laughs) boa.
2: Interesting you led with Velcro.
1: (laughs) I mean, look, at the end of the day, man, if you got kids, Velcro is where it's at. Uh, But anyway, you've got three systems and I'll tell you every day, if it just came down to functionality, not for performance for golf just in regular day life i'm going velcro every day man because that's quick and easy but people look at you if you walk around with velcro shoes and do what tony's doing right now and laugh at your ass i'm doing the same thing when i see tony bust walk up on the first tee and bust out his boas i mean (laughs) i'm going why do you have two discs on your shoe and i know what they are and i do you know understand the technology behind them but damn can you put them in something that doesn't look like a damn
0: ufo on the top of your shoe and now two ufos on your shoe what happens when you uh when the if the uh, actual string or whatever material it is breaks i mean what happens
1: if your lace lifetime breaks? guarantee oh you man. had to repair it yeah but yeah, you I go out with, to repair. yeah
0: but you go out and buy it straight there you probably have to send this back go and you're waiting a you couple can, of weeks you can
2: order it you can send it back i mean how often is is your boa breaking i don't know i i know it has happened it's never happened to me
0: yeah, but you got no golf shoes for two weeks. Well,
1: luckily for Tony, he lives in Bump New yeah, York where it's cold. I don't I don't
2: need golf shoes for the next two weeks or the two weeks after that or the six weeks after that.
1: <laughs> Matt, you're gonna have to uh put a big uh duck on my mouth for that because I got I got told that we, we say too many bad words on No Putts Given. Dad reached out to me and said, Especially I love your Tony's show. love. But, man, I was sitting in the car with my kid, and Tony dropped an (laughs) MF-er. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's because Harry likes bad sandwiches. I mean, that's (laughs) that's not on me. That's Harry's fault.
1: I did reply back and said, it is called No Putts Given for a reason. So, fair warning. Earmuffs. Obviously... I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate with you. The boa system, I think, is ugly. I do think it probably performs better than laces. But, you know, quick analogy, you'd rather run in track shoes in a 100-meter dash, right, than flip-flops. I mean, it is a more secure device for an athletic movement. But, you know, the ugly versus performance thing is always something that's tough no matter what category you're in. And it's kind of like back to the 2020 Callaway Maverick, right? It might be a great performer, but she ugly, man. I'm sorry.
0: Your faces that you just pulled is just priceless. What? You ain't got She ugly. She ugly.
1: All right, so next up on No Puss Given, we're just going to give everybody a little bit of insight onto some of the things that have arrived into the MyGawSpy test facility over the last seven to ten days. Uh, we're going to do a better job this year of kind of videoing things when they come in on Instagram. Uh, and some of the other social media outlets. So if you're not following us on Instagram, make sure you do uh, because a lot of stuff comes in that the average golfer doesn't get to touch, feel, and see. And we want to show you some of these things to see if they might be of interest to you. And there's some pretty cool stuff. So Harry, what's come through the door in the last week or so? Uh,
0: A lot of most wanted stuff for 2020. So he got Tyler Strixen zexio everybody but taylormade Cle- cleveland wilson we have a lot of companies i've submitted um unfortunately we can't say anything about it because embargo dates um links are in this year
1: every major brand is in except for taylormade so far
2: still waiting, I, still waiting. Uh, I am optimistic i remain eternally optimistic that taylormade will join us this year
1: well they have till friday so but another cool device just came in a day that yep. you posted on Instagram. What was that?
0: It's called the X-PUT. E-X-P-U-T-T. Now, yes, sir. Um, yeah. I don't know what to think of it at first, and then it's so easy to roll out. I phoned up Tony, kind of excited after I've <laughs> used it a couple of times. Positively giddy. So yes. it's
1: a real-time putting simulator, right? Yep. And at first, when I looked at it, I went, well, that's stupid. Like The mat's like three and a half feet. And then... I, you guys did a little demo for me today and i was like that's pretty cool
0: well the only the only weird thing is obviously you're not putting to a hole so depth perception is a little bit off Agreed. at first but you get used to it i mean you can change the speeds of the greens you can change the whole diameter the whole diameter you can change um if it goes right to left left to right downhill uphill all that
1: kind of you can and on the screen or tv it has a camera system yes. that basically sits above the putting mat that reads the putting mat. It automatically you know, finds where it is. Yep. And then once it recognizes it, it puts a simulator game onto the TV. And then you, you can just putt- practice,
0: you can play. You can see your stroke, um, you can see the launch angle, the launch direction, the speed of which is coming off the club face. Um, there's a couple more on there which... We have to obviously test it in more depth against the GC quad to see how accurate it can be. But for 360 bucks, this could potentially grow the game ish. 360 bucks.
1: I think that's a stretch, but you
0: you think
2: about it's, it's essentially right. It's the equivalent of, of kind of like that, that Mevo Rapsodo launch monitor space for, for a putter. So when you think about what a, what a quintic costs or what what's the other big one that's the enterprise class one that costs an arm and a leg right um you're you're talking about something that that's potentially consumer grade that gives you a a sizable portion of what you get from the super high-end enterprise gear and and like you said it's three foot mat, so it doesn't take up a ton of space the the visualizations from what i saw are really really cool so in that respect, like if it's if it's reasonably accurate to to better than reasonably accurate, you, you might have to Why something, not? I mean right? here's the
0: th- here's the thing. Matt, our videographer, he, he's never played golf before before he came to my golf spy. He came on and he sunk like two or three parts and he was running around the studio like <laughs> cowboy kind of style. Just I mean that's what that is all about. Like you, you enjoy it, you have fun. Now if they can change it to the whole diameters, from a uh, um, a regular hole to a bigger hole, why can't Matt said go back to a, like a th- go to a three foot hole, and that way if people go if people are hitting and making putts. Well, that's or, what I was
1: gonna say, right? So like, like my bus- first thought was, man, this thing could fit literally in front of any living room, family room, right? Where right in front of your TV, and the kids could play this that may have never been able to get onto a golf course and play yeah. that much, but get a golf experience. And it,
0: might- it might propel them to actually go out and play I would agree golf. with
1: that. I mean, and the cool thing is too. What's the what is the name of the company that produces this? Xput. So another cool thing is that this company Xput has said that this really cool real-time putting simulator is just an appetizer for yep. a lot of other products that sound really cool that they're going to be coming out with.
0: Yeah, and I've heard a couple of things which potentially could be very very interesting. Um, so if this really takes off and this is like legit from what I've seen. And how accurate is compared to the GC quad. I think they could be on a real winner.
1: Yeah. And if they crack the nut that I think they might be able to crack, they're on to something big for golf. Uh, yes,
0: yeah, sir. Yeah.
1: So, X-PUT is a cool thing that came through the door. Anything else that's come through?
0: Um, a lot of stuff under embargoes, which I can't talk about. Okay. Um, but we have taken videos of them so when that embargo date comes out we will be popping that on the old social media platforms
1: all right and then a bunch of people ask every day you know our hats keep selling out Mm -hmm. um so we brought in new hats for 2020 yeah those will be available month well the winter beanies will be available monday for anybody out there that's um living where tony lives and needs a winter golf hat and also as you can see going through all the other hats that will be available a week after so other than that, Tony, any parting words that you want to say for Ryder?
2: Ryder, Ryder has nothing to say at all. oh, oh actually, he didn't. He didn't bark yet. He didn't bark once this show. That's uh. All right, buddy. Good job. What yeah. we need you
0: to do is bulk up a little bit more. walking um, season. So we can. So you can hit that extra 10, 15 yards in distance.